know, man, I woke up the next morning real super early and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I just, I need help. And I had been contemplating for, you know, months about going into inpatient rehab. And I kept thinking to myself, like, what are people going to think of me? (laughs) Right. Meanwhile, everyone knew I was a drunk. When I came home, I just immersed myself, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous and it became my life. I'm grateful for that. You know, that was my solution. That was, I grieved so hard when I, when I stopped drinking, it was like, I lost my best friend, but my life today, like it's amazing. I have some humility today and I have peace in my life. You know, my sponsor always says, do you want to be sober? Do you want to be peaceful? And I'm like, I want to be peaceful. Yeah. It's uh, it takes work, but so much better on this side of it. Welcome to the daily reflection podcast with your hosts, Michael L and Lee M on this podcast. We try to bring inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not affiliated with any 12-step program, but you may hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Heather E. from Ashburn, Virginia. Heather shares on the concept around the idea of faith. Before we get to the episode, can I ask you to do me a favor? If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you wouldn't mind, give us a rating, leave a comment, let us know what you think of the show. It's going to help us reach a larger audience and it'll obviously let us know what you think of the show. Always trying to improve. Thanks so much. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. It's March 6th and it's a beautiful day. How are you doing? Oh, never better. It's, uh, It's great to start another show for sure. What's going on for today? What's on the agenda? Well, today we have a dear friend of mine, Heather E. from Ashburn, Virginia, joining us to talk to us about the idea of faith. Fantastic. Well, Heather, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Well, we start the show by asking the guest to read the daily reflection for today. Would you help us get started? Sure. The idea of faith. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 47. The idea of faith is a very large chunk to swallow when fear, doubt, and anger abound in and around me. Sometimes just the idea of doing something different, something I'm not accustomed to doing, can eventually become an act of faith if I do it regularly, and I do it without debating whether it's the right thing to do. When a bad day comes along and everything is going wrong, a meeting or a talk with another drunk often distracts me just enough to persuade me that everything is not quite as impossible, as overwhelming as I had thought. In the same way, going to a meeting or talking to a fellow alcoholic are acts of faith. I believe I'm arresting my disease. These are ways I slowly move towards faith in a higher power. That is a beautiful reading. Um, how does this resonate with you, Heather? Oh, so um, it's funny because when I was going through and, and trying to figure out which one I wanted to do, and I read this and I was like, wow. Um, you know, for me, I I was raised Catholic, um, you know, went to church, did all those things, I guess, that were expected of me. Um, at points in my life, I felt a connection with a higher power, but I always questioned it or you know, wondered what it really was. And, um, I lost my sister back in, um, about 18 years ago when she passed away, I really lost all my faith. Um, you know, I felt God was very punishing. Um, I didn't understand. I felt like he disappeared. Uh, I had no idea who he was. Um, and it wasn't really until 
when, you know, when I got sober and started working the steps and I kind of floated, you know, I, step one, easy. I got it. Step two, I kind of floated over, um, you know, and when I got to step three, I always wondered why I had such a struggle letting go, you know, let go, let God, I could say it. I could, I could say all the great things that we say, um, you know, talk the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk basically. And it wasn't until I was about four and a half, five years sober, I got a new sponsor and, um, she took me through the steps using the big book. And when we got to step two, you know, and I was talking with her, I explained to her, I said, I feel like I have like this wall or this block between God and I, and I, no matter what I tried to do, I felt like no matter what I said or did, I couldn't break down that block or, or get that connection with, with him. And, you know, she explained to me, she said, well, who is your higher power? And I'm like, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Um, you know, and what I found out is that I had so many prejudices against really not God, but against Catholicism, um, that I use those prejudices to keep me from connecting. And I had no definition of who my God really was. And, you know, taking the time to sit and do that and figure out like, what is, what is this God to me? And what is the difference between the prejudices I have with the faith that I was raised in or the religion that I was raised in? And, you know, my, I guess, newfound connection with God. And once I did that um, and really defined who God was to me, it has been, it was like this huge, like, ha ha, you know, I mean, for me, that was a, a huge spiritual awakening for me. Um, and I've really been able to, to connect now um, and get into a practice of, you know, getting on my knees every morning and talking to God. You know, I, I always talk to God. Um, you know, I'm one of those crazy people that thank God we have Bluetooth because when I'm driving, I'm constantly talking to, you know, what people would think is somebody else, but I'm really talking to God. Um, you know, of course, during my, uh, during the crazy days when I was in active addiction, I did a lot of the, oh, 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 poop prayers, um, you know, with one eye covered, if you just get me home this time, or, you know, if you, if you, if, if people really just didn't see those text messages I sent last night or, you know, or, you know, if, um, if I could continue to play like I'm not a drunk to my ex-husband, you know, all those things. Um, I never prayed for what God's will was for me. And, you know, once I started doing that, my life changed dramatically. So Heather, what's your sobriety date? Oh, uh, 7, 14, July 26, 2014. So it says in the, in the reflection, sometimes just the idea of doing something different something I'm not accustomed to doing can eventually become an act of faith if I do it regularly and do it without debating whether it's the right thing to do. And I'm wondering, do, do you have experience with that? Oh gosh. Practice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning of my sobriety, um, I did a lot of things differently. And I, at that time, I wasn't attributing that to, to, to my higher power, to any type of faith. Um, you know, now, I continue to do a lot of things differently, but when it comes to my faith and to connection with my higher power, I actually, it's not just checking a box for me. You know, I have a morning routine and if I don't do that morning routine, I can fall off the beam real fast. Um, you know, and I certainly, I, I don't practice anything perfectly. Um, you know, I do have my mornings where it, I have to remind myself like, okay, this is not a checklist, you know, and 
I, if I have to get up a little earlier to do it, I'll do it. Um, you know, and just the fact that I pray and that I meditate, those are all brand new things to me. Um, you know, and I, and I think the biggest thing is that when I pray, it's for God's will. It's not for Heather's will, which don't get me wrong. I take that back probably multiple times a day. Um, but I really try and have, you know, let God lead me in whatever direction he feels I need to be led. And there's just so much like peace in that so much peace in that. So it goes on to talk about when bad days happen, what's a bad day look like and and how do you respond? You know, honestly, and this is, I don't have a lot of bad days anymore. Um, I really don't. Um, you know, first of all, I look at my days differently where now I'm just grateful to open my eyes in the morning, you know, and not feel like crap. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, that I actually have a higher power and a God that I can talk to. Um, you know, but I do have, I am normal, obvious. Well, that's debatable, but, um, I do have, you know, some bad days, but I just handle things so differently. Um, you know, we have a daily reprieve. And I can start my day over any time of the day. Um, I have so many incredible women in my fellowship that I can call. I have a a wonderful sponsor. Um, You know, a lot of times too, for me, even if I just go back and read something in the literature, um, you know, our literature for AA, it's, um, it kind of brings me back. And it's funny because sometimes I say like, how am I so, I mean, I'm just very calm and very, you know, my my kids might disagree with that, but, um, I just live my life so differently now. And I have to, I often say like, how did I get here? Um, but it honestly is, you know, obviously a lot of work and it's just keeping myself on, like I say, on the beam. Um, you know, and I don't take things so like, I'm not the victim anymore. Oh my gosh. I was such a victim. You know, everybody was doing everything to me. Even if I didn't know you and something happened, it was directed to me. Um, and now I don't feel that way at all. So before you came in and got sober and started to find this, this amazing spiritual toolkit, what are, what are some of the things that you experienced that, um, that led you to believe that you might have a problem with alcohol? Hmm. Um, you know, it's funny cause when I first got sober and I came into AA, um, and I, you know, I would say, oh, well, I've only been a drunk for three years. Right. And then you do the steps and you realize, uh, wow, I've been drinking alcoholically my entire life. It's not normal for a 13 year old to black out. You know, it's not normal for, to have patches of your life that you don't remember. Um, you know, for me, it started, uh, physically, I had a stomach full of ulcers, very, very sick. Um, I was very, gotten very thin and just not, you know, healthy physically, Um, I had absolutely no spiritual connection whatsoever. Um, I was destroying my marriage, um, which, you know, now looking back on that, I can own my side of the street with that. Um, you know, my boss at the time, so in 2012, my boss basically called me out and said I was an alcoholic. He himself has been uh, a dry drunk for multiple years. And that was 2012. I didn't get sober till 2014. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was being very shady, um, doing a lot of things, but I had a hard time realizing that I was, um, I knew I was powerless, 
you know, I even remember saying to my ex-husband one time, like, you don't understand, like, I have to do this. I have to drink. I mean, it came to a point where it had to be the first thing I did in the morning just to stabilize myself, you know, and I had this crazy routine to make sure that I could uh, manage my day and then still, you know, go pick up my kids from school and play mom. And, um, but I knew like what I struggled with was the unmanageability. You know, I, it, it's that thing where you think, well, I'm still working and my house is clean. My kids are clean. I'm the PTO president, you know, all of that. And meanwhile, it was like all these things, I worked so hard to keep all those things looking good from the outside because I was a freaking debacle mess on the inside. Um, so I, it really hit me in every way, emotionally, physically, mentally, um, I wasn't trusted anymore by my family. Uh, you know, my poor parents, they live in Massachusetts and, you know, my kids, I remember one time my dad had to call the cops from Massachusetts on me. Cause my son, I, I don't even remember now what I was doing, but obviously he was not comfortable. Um, you know, to put my parents in that situation, like just, uh, it still breaks my heart, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I didn't get it the first time around, you know, I, I did an outpatient. I, was sober for about 98 days and relapsed. And then I was doing some real crazy things, just thinking I was kidding the entire world, you know, not nice, <laughs> not good. What do you think made you get it this time or what made you be open enough to surrender? You know, so I don't, I liked, sometimes I think I had like this spiritual awakening when I was sleeping. And I know that sounds awkward, but to kind of explain it a little bit, I, um, it was a Thursday night. I had been in Massachusetts for about two weeks. My dad had had an aortic aneurysm and I went up, my kids were actually with my parents in Massachusetts. Cause I was just, my drinking was out of control and I was trying to move us from Maryland to Virginia. And, um, I came back and it was a Thursday when I came back with my kids and, you know, of course, you know, and at this point, my kids hadn't even seen where we were living. And, uh, you know, I got home and I said, I'm going to run down and get some milk from the store. Okay. We all knew what I was getting. And, um, unbeknownst to me while I was gone, my son called my sister-in-law and, um, she came over and, um, I came home and I'm like, Oh, you know, what are you doing here? And she, she says, I'm going to take the boys. We haven't seen them. And I'm like, um, okay. So fast forward, you know, for me, it was like, okay, good. They're gone again. You know, I can drink. I've been around my freaking family for like two weeks. And like, you know, even there I was hiding it. I, I told my parents, I said, when you clean out your basement, you're going to find some things. Um, and I just started drinking and I went to bed that night really with no desire or thought like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm done. And I don't know, man, I woke up the next morning real super early. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I just, I need help. And I had been contemplating for, you know, months about going into inpatient rehab. And but I kept thinking to myself, like, what are people going to think of me? <laughs> right. Meanwhile, everyone knew I was a drunk. Um, and I just said, that's it. Like I'm done. So like any good alcoholic, I went to the store and I got lots of wine and, and it's funny. I laugh about it today. I sat and watched that movie with uh, Meg Ryan and Andy Garcia, you know, and, and got drunk and played the poor me. Um, and then called my ex-husband and my boss at the time and my insurance company. And I said, I, I, I'm done. I need to go away. Um, and I went into detox and then I went into inpatient rehab and I just really immersed myself in myself, um, you know, learning about my disease and getting everything I could out of being, being away and being in, in rehab. And, um, I don't know that obsession and that compulsion at that point was lifted. 
Um, you know, I mean, I had certainly had a long way to go. I still have a long way to go, but, um, the, the compulsion and, and the obsession and the need to drink was so severe for me. So just with that being lifted, I felt like, okay, like I can do this. And, um, when I came home, I just immersed myself, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous and it, it became my life. Um, it is, you know, a huge part of my life. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that. How long did it take you to start to get some relief once you came in? I'm still getting relief. Um, you know, it ebbs and flows, I think. Um, you know, obviously from a physical standpoint, and I think the biggest thing for me too is when I when I came into the program, I was also, you know, separated and starting to go through a divorce. And when I was in rehab, I kept saying to myself, Oh, when I get out, I'm gonna fix everything. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix my marriage. My kids are gonna love me and wanna be around me and um, you know, all these things. And in the rooms, you know, I'd have people in the fellowship say, you know, um, cause you know, when you first get in, you're not talking solution. You're just bitching about how terrible your life is still and, and not picking up a drink, but you know, people in the rooms would say, oh, well, you know, you need, in the, you need to pray. You need to pray about, about him. Speaking of my ex-husband, cause that was probably the most difficult thing that I was trying to wrap my head around. And I was like, oh, you don't want to know what I would pray for him. And they said, well, it's okay. You can, you don't have to be sweet about it, but you need to pray about it and it'll start, you'll start to let go. And, um, and I did, and it did, you know, it started to lift just getting around people that got it, you know, and understood me and took me under their wing and just, you know, just kept count- telling me like, you know, just keep coming back, just keep coming back. And, you know, all the, the cliches that we like to say, you know, just wait for the miracle to happen. And, you know, and, and it has, it still continues to. Do you think this disease is hereditary? I mean, are you an alcoholic from the start? Uh, I do think it's, you know, it's funny because even they say that, you know, that scientifically they 60% chance my kids will have it, could have it. So, yeah, I think I was predestined for it. You know, and I used to look at that and get kind of pissed, you know, and be like, you know, why me? And I, I have a sister that was an addict and I'd say, you know, why me? Why was I chosen? You know? And, um, I don't look at it like that anymore. Like me, I was chosen. I I wouldn't be living the life I live now or be the person I am if I hadn't, if I wasn't an alcoholic. Um, you know, I don't, yeah, I went through some, some, some crap because of it. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't change it, you know? Um, yeah, you know, and obviously I have that worry. I've got two boys, you know, it's scary. But I can't, all I can do is show them how to live a sober life and, you know, show them what I do. And just like everything else, they're going to make their own choices and I can't stop it if it's going to happen, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, I come from a long line of them myself. So it's, uh, it's in the gene pool for sure (laughs) on both sides. Lucky me. I love what you said about not wanting to change anything. I feel the same way. Yes. That this is, a, this is a gift. Is a gift. I've been given the most amazing gift and I wouldn't have gotten it without the dark days that preceded it. What's occurring to me as you were sharing is that there are a lot of people who are either thinking about coming in or they're in and their life is, has just been blown up. You know, they're getting a divorce. The kids don't want to talk to them or they lost their job or, or maybe some of that or all of it or even more stuff, you know, and they just want all of it put back together right now. Mm. What would you say to those people? Stay where your feet are. (laughs) You know, it'll all come in time if you put the work in. 
you know, you got to work it. It's uh, you don't go in, you don't get sober and all of a sudden, you know, life becomes fantastic and, you know, we're all burping rainbows. It just doesn't happen that way. You know, things, time takes time. I remember when I first got sober, my sponsor used to say to me, you know, time takes time. And I'd be like, that is the stupidest shit. Like, well, who says that? You know, and now I say it all the time to people. It does. You know, we did a lot of damage and it takes time to, to repair that damage. You know, now in my professional career, I deal with addicts and alcoholics all day long and, uh, and families. And, you know, I hear it. I, I know it. I've been on both sides of it. And for the newcomer too, I would just say, you know, stay where your feet are. Like we say, take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth and listen and pray. Gosh, pray. You know, I know they say not to pray for patients, but we need a lot of patients. You know, we're alcoholics, man. We like, we want it. We want it now. Um, it's not happening fast enough. And it's amazing, you know, for me, like I fast forward in my head sometimes through the last six plus years of my sobriety. And I'm like, wow, like it has flown by. But, you know, I lived that every day, every day, every day. Uh, I mean, I, it didn't feel like it went fast when it was going, you know, you know, just stay where your feet are. And you know, I work with a lot of women in the program now. And, you know, I just tell them like one foot in front of the other, set goals for yourself, but don't overwhelm yourself. Um, and, and, and learn to open your mouth. You know, you got to talk to people. You got to, you got to tell us where you're at. But again, and for me, prayer has become such a huge part of it. Um, but I know that takes time for sure. So just, you know, we, we say one day at a time, sometimes it's one second at a time, you know, and I still have days like that where I got to compartmentalize and take things piece by piece in order to be able to stay present in what I'm doing. And, you know, that's hard to tell a newcomer. You know, I, I tend to find myself saying, I get it. I get it <laughs> a lot when I'm dealing with, with women that are new in the program. Um, but I do get it. Having that empathy for somebody and that sympathy for somebody is, uh, you know, I'm grateful for it today. Sometimes that's the most important thing you can hear is that somebody, somebody gets it. Yeah, for sure. Because you feel like nobody does, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful to to feel a part of, uh, you know, a group of people that have experienced the same thing. You know, one thing that that's jumping out to me about the daily reflection is that it's a lot of faith, a lot of higher power in there. I mean, the the last sentence talks about moving slowly toward faith in a higher power, and it sounds like, I mean, you've clearly got a higher power in your life today. You know, before we begin to wrap up, any suggestions for folks that are struggling with the concept of something more powerful than themselves? You know, I remember when I, like, when I came into AA, people said, well, you can make anything your higher power, make your fellowship the higher power, you know? And for me, I did that in the beginning. I, I don't necessarily agree to make the doorknob your higher power. You know, I've heard that too. I, I never, I still don't understand that, but that's okay. You know, just, if you don't, if you don't have a higher power, you know, you can believe in my higher power and eventually it will come, you know? just stay and know that it's not a race <laughs> time takes time and you know just um ma making little efforts every day um you know to pray to something or talk to something it, it can be anything it doesn't you don't have to define it as god um, but eventually you do need to define who he is and what he is to you because um, it makes it a lot easier for sure beautiful Heather, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I guess um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want the, the folks out there listening to hear? 
Oh gosh. It's just, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing being on this side of it. It really is like, it's, um, I think back to, you know, when I would say like, how am I going to live my life without alcohol? You know, that was my solution. That was, I grieved so hard when I, when I stopped drinking, it was like, I lost my best friend, but my life today, like it's amazing. I have some humility today and I have peace in my life. You know, my sponsor always says, do you want to be sober? Do you want to be peaceful? And I'm like, I want to be peaceful. Yeah, it's, uh, it takes work, but so much better on this side of it. So much better. Thank you so much for joining us today, Heather. This has been a beautiful, beautiful story, beautiful message. We're so glad you came. Thank you guys. I love this. I listen to it every day. I get so excited when I, yes, I do. It's like my, my jam in the car, you know, it's like, and I was not a <laughs> podcast person. Like whatsoever. I'd be like, who the hell isn't a podcast? Like it's too much for me <laughs> and I just love it now. So thank you guys for putting this together. It's very cool. Thank you so much for, for being a part of it. Thank you. Thanks once again to Heather for joining us today. And thanks to you, the listeners. Truly appreciate We truly appreciate your support. If you want to join us online, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. Just realize there's over 300 members of the community there. Great conversation, great support. Really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at daily reflector. You can also read about all aspects of recovery on our blog. We have a new author. I'm so excited. Nan F. from Jacksonville Beach, Florida, joins us on the blog and has published a new story. I'd love for you to check that out. She was a guest on the podcast back on February 7th, and she talked about a path to faith. She wrote a wonderful article. You can find that at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.